Okay, it's a bonus episode of the Ryan Russillo Podcast here on the Ringer Podcast Network. In the middle of well, the beginning of the second round, we had Bill Simmons, we got Roger Bell, Kevin O'Connor, and this podcast is all episodes brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate. That's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro. The real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service. You can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agency, award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more with a great price and even greater service. State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Here we are. Bill Simmons, Roger Bell, Kevin O'Connor, mid-draft reaction. It's the Ringer Post Draft Show here. I'm Ryan Rosillo. You're going to hear this on my feed. We have Bill Simmons, Roger Bell, and Kevin O'Connor. Kevin and I did the pre-draft, and we are just about to finish up the first round, so we'll get to some of the picks as they pop through. I think the first thing is I actually do want to start with Bill because Tyro Terry still available. The propaganda machine for Bill did not work. This is un- <laughs> oh, I have to. I have to. And then the fact that they didn't like it's Neesmith at 14, I get, but Peyton Pritchard, and there's still another Celtics pick here. They're going to have 31 players on the roster next year if they can't trade any of these guys. So where are you at right now with Terry and Celtics? Well, first I was watching my dude Halliburton fall and fall and started really getting ideas around pick 10. Then he goes to Sacramento, so he's gone. And then Terry started getting excited around pick 20. And now it's like now the hope's been beaten out of me. The Peyton Pritchard thing, I I, I can't move on. Yeah, KOC should go. KOC, where did he rank in your in your rankings? Uh, Peyton Pritchard, I had thirty three, so not super far off from where he got drafted. I'm just shocked. Oh, Silver ended, lining. Uh, <laughs> I'm just shocked he ended up being the, the selection there as a four year senior from Oregon. I mean, he's a he's a shooter. He plays hard. Yeah, but plays but really me, hard. There, Bill, there, there, there's great. better players available both at fourteen right. and twenty six. And the, the Neesmith pick, like that guy can shoot. But yeah. how much can he defend? What is Danny Green with worse defense? That's probably what you're looking at with Aaron Neesmith. Well, he also had a broken foot, so that part scares me because I don't like broken feet really Or great ever. value. At any point. Uh, what do you think was the biggest surprise of the draft? Because the, the, kind of, <laughs> the announcers kind of brushed off the Patrick Williams at number four. I, I, I actually predicted that, but I was kind of throwing it out there because I was just trying to zag. And, uh, and that one... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the rise of Patrick Williams, a guy who didn't start in college, and now he's the fourth pick in the draft. Kind of amazing. I wasn't surprised. Two and a half weeks ago or so, somebody told me, hey, the draft starts with him at four. We mentioned it on the pod this week, and then Kevin and I did before. I thought it was either um, Denny or or Williams to Chicago. That's what I had heard prior to it. So when he went for, I think it was shocking a month ago, but it, I don't think it was by any means shocking tonight. Raja, do you have a guy that you kind of felt like throughout the process you were waiting on or somebody that you thought was a really good fit, somebody that you'd watch in college now that you go, hey, maybe I didn't love him there, but now this makes a ton of sense? Um, Not necessarily making more sense now than it did before. I thought w- what shocked me a little bit was Obi top into the Knicks. Like, uh, you know, I know it's a hometown kid and I'm not taking anything away from Obi. Um, I think he'd be a really good player. I didn't think the fit was great with, with the Knicks there necessarily, you know, with what they've got in the front court um, and everything. But, you know, so it, probably the reverse of what you're talking about. Like, I really liked him in college. I just think it was a great fit going to the Knicks necessarily. For, I think it's good for him, though, to have Tom Thibodeau there as somebody, oh, like a defensive-oriented coach, like Toppin. Like, there's no question with the rim running and the shooting and what he can do off the dribble as a big for you. But the defense, I mean, 
that's what needs to get better for him to be ever something that's like a high-end player. And having Tibbs, you would hope that's something that could help him along. But then again, you could have said the same thing for Tibbs with Cat. <laughs> Sometimes it's about the player and the person. I think Obi is a learner, at least. So I hope for him that's a match that can improve his biggest weakness. Yeah, I think he's be- he's better. He's definitely a better fit with Tibbs than than Cat. I think his mentality is is different, right? Like he, he and to your point, like he's a. It's going to be really good for him in the long run to get with mm. Tibbs early, so you develop those habits. I I didn't necessarily see the Knicks going there personally, though. It was funny that he was the guy everybody kept comparing to Amari Stoudemire. And when you think of Amari Stoudemire, you think of like the the guy Russia played with. Hopefully he's not the Knicks 2012 version of Amari Stoudemire, like the the just uh, not really that effective version. I actually didn't mind that pick. I like the fact that he's a little bit older. I don't think that they could get away with taking like another 19-year-old. Um, little chip on his shoulder, little excitement. Um, I, I actually didn't mind it. The the one that um the one that floored me was Phoenix when it seemed like it had really lined up for them with Halliburton, where you're getting this guy who could be in top five, depending on, you know, whose mock draft you're looking at, and somebody that could have learned from Chris Paul and now Chris Paul, Booker, and then Halliburton kind of easing in. I really liked that as it was happening. And then all of a sudden they they went the other direction with somebody that I honestly felt like they could have gotten later. They're going to lose Aaron Baines, though, in free agency. I've heard New Orleans could be after him, among other teams. So Jalen Smith kind of brings you that stretch shooting big ability. Uh, he he's like a, he shoots like a wing. I mean, at Maryland, they ran him off screens and handoffs. It was kind of funny watching a guy that big uh, being used in that type of role with him. I like it. I mean, it's a little bit of a reach compared to, you know, like you said, a Halliburton who was on the board for them. But Jalen Smith, I think, can come into that rotation. You can play with two bigs with Aiton and Smith because of his shooting ability, or you can play with one big and have him as a backup. I mean, they have like ball handlers on that roster already. And and you don't necessarily draft for need, but I think Smith can help now with need, but also be a good long-term piece. I like the pick personally. I give it a eh. It's an eh. It was on the high end, though. So Kevin's right about that for Jalen. I mean, some people didn't even like him in the teens, but he's he's more than just a pick and pop guy. Like he's surprising. The more you watch him, he shot twenty seven percent from three last year. He was thirty seven percent, and they would even do stuff where he would he would hit some turnarounds at times. And you're like, wait, there's mm-hmm. there's way more to this. And I know people really liked him in the interview and everything. So yeah, um, you're right because the Halliburton thing, you feel like you can plug him into a different places. I think the biggest story so far would be. Probably Halliburton falling. Um, Cole Anthony probably going right around where everybody thought he would because there was a chance he could fall. Felt like well, wait, RJ wait Hampton fell. The the biggest story is Le- is Lavar and Lamelo with with MJ. That was the one where we were <laughs> kind of all hoping that would happen, and now this is it. We have Lavar Ball and MJ. They're together finally. <laughs> this is this is either going to be a beautiful romance or a disaster, and with no in between. I want to just see. Lavar, Le- when he asks Jordan if he can get Leangelo on the G League team. Right. Because that was a big sticking point with the Lakers that they wouldn't give his other son a roster spot. He just Is like, hey, true? you could do it. No, he was like, you could do it if you wanted to. It's like, you could do a lot of things if you wanted to, but I probably don't want to give a roster spot up to your other brother who isn't as good. Raja, what's your take when LaMelo Ball goes third? Everyone talks about what a great passer he is. And then right near the end of they're breaking it down, Jay Billis goes, look, He's not a good shooter, and he doesn't play defense at all. But if he works on those two things, I think it could be a great pick. I'm like, okay, the shooting and defense seems important. I don't know. I, that's that's usually been my experience. 
listen the 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 NBA and its fascination with like potential is it's it's you know I understand it but again from a guy who like had to hang his head on defense and being on really good teams and understanding what stopped us from getting over the hump usually with the nuts and bolts of of who you who you were as a team and that is the defense and and the ability to shoot the ball and and things like that like it's always baffling to me that people will take the wild swing. Now, not that he was a wild swing, but it's forgiven a lot in the draft process with this upside and potential because, you know, guys think that they can get that out of you. Like shooting can be worked on, uh, but defense and mentality, sometimes it is what it is. Um, I actually, I think he's going to be a good player, um, but it's always fascinating to me because I'm a guy, like we've talked about this before, like give me a guy who's solid defensively, a guy who I know what I'm going to get out of him and I'll take that. Um, but but potential is tantalizing. Guys are always going to take a swing at it. With those types of potential players who people say they got to work on effort, got to, you know, try harder, whatever it is. Yeah, is there a guy that you've ever played with or that you've seen enter the league that had questions about him with effort and turn into a guy that consistently has it on? Because Ryan and I talked about this before the draft. Ben Simmons was one of those guys. Drafted yeah. highly, had those questions, and became a great defender. Like, are there how many examples really are there? There aren't too many of them, are there? They're not a lot. It's it's a it's a rare thing because I, I think motor and I deal with a lot of you know youth basketball. Like those those type of things are usually innate. It's a hard thing to develop as you get older. Boris Diaw is another guy. I think um, for me, when he came to us from Atlanta, you know there were some questions about that, about who he was and how hard he played and whether he could be. Um, you know, the the type of defensive presence and rebounder that you want him to be. He 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 turned into that. Like DeBorse was an underrated defender, you know, really gifted with the ball in his hands, could pass it. Um, and those were the things he was known for. But defensively, he became really, really solid. Um and and it wasn't the 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 narrative on him early in his career, but he kind of developed into that. So he's one of those guys that I would say kind of developed it, but it is rare. Um the Celtics took Desmond Bain and then traded it. So we're done with the first round. Dallas is on the clock at 31. Dallas is smart. Dallas Tyrell does Terry. the kind of things that I like. They remember me and KOC were driving the Luca bandwagon. They took Luca. The irony is if they take Tyrell Terry here. Is that is that actually <laughs> is that on Twitter that they took uh, him? It's not on Twitter, but I I would hope I would hope that that's what they go for. Given Tyrell the Terry, given the way they need. approach players and stuff like that, it just seems like this is the kind of guy they would take. And I'm gonna get you get to see me flip out on camera. It'll be, it'll be really fun. It, I'm sorry, so I took the driver's wheel from you. No, you, I just know, I know how excited you were about that number 30 pick. Well, um, if, <laughs> if, if he goes with Luca, he's going to be playing crunch time for them. And you guys have to listen to me say, I told you so, I told you so for like five years. So you better hope they don't no, take but him. You're right. I mean, it's almost like the Houston thing where I feel like Houston's the best Instagram filter that you could have as a basketball player. Because all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, do you want to give Daniel House ten million a year? Look at all those shots. You're like, well, all of them. And Daniel House ended up turning into a nice little rotation player before he got a little too thirsty down there in the bowl. Mm, but thirsty. you you <laughs> you look at any shooter, any shooter now with Doncic, because there's so many similarities with what they do and how Houston ran the Harden centric offense, and even better so because they didn't have like an inefficient Westbrook messing it all up. So I, you look, if it ends up being a shooter here, the shooter's probably going to work well with what they do. I want to get back to that effort thing, though, because I had a story on Toppin. Mm. Because with, with Thibodeau in New York, and Raj, you're going to love this, when I was asking about Toppin and how bad he was defensively, I was hearing that the, the Dayton guys were telling scouts, well, he just didn't, he was bored. 
I would love for Toppin to tell Tibbs, you know what? Look, I'm ready to play defense. I just was bored for the last couple of years. So let's go get him. Let's get some stops. <laughs> yeah, walk into his office on day one and say that. See how that we, goes over. We got news. Dallas is picking Tyrell Terry at number Are you 31. Are kidding me? <laughs> Shams just tweeted it out. Yep. They're taking him. <laughs> looking forward to saying we told you so, Bill. I'm looking forward to it. Tyrell Terry at number 31. This is perfect. <laughs> It's so perfect. funny, like, like of course, Precious was going to go to the Heat. Like, we were joking about, me, KFC, and Verno were joking about that. Like, this is the perfect Heat guy. They're going to take him. He's going to be great on the Heat. And Tyrell Terry in Dallas, it's like, it's perfect. Mm. He's going to end up having a huge impact on that team. And everybody's going, whoa, how did he fall to 31? You know how he fell to 31? Because these teams are fucking morons. That's how they fell to 31. Because <laughs> every year, they stare at these, these guys for six months and they overthink it, and they bit, miss basic fucking skills like shooting. <laughs> and feel and he can handle. Game. Yeah, and feel, and, and, and they trust like, him. Oh, shooting. Oh, it turns out that's important. You know, and Seth Curry bounces around for four years, and then all of a sudden he's in the playoffs playing 35 minutes a game because he can shoot, because shooting matters. And like you think uh. about, you mentioned Seth, as good as Seth was in that situation, Tyrell Terry is somebody who can do more playmaking for you. He can be yeah. a better Seth nah, Curry. Nah, take it easy. Easy on Steph. <laughs> KFC wrote a 5,000-word feature for us that was basically like Tyrell Terry has a huge chip on his shoulder. Like, Raja, those are your guys. The guys well, who are like, oh, you're counting me out. Now he falls to 31. It's like, oh, really? I'm not a first-rounder? I'm going to shoot 15,000 threes today. I'm going to shoot 20,000 tomorrow. This, this is the kind of guy he is. It's perfect and for him. Not only is a, it's a it's perfect, you know, there are guys in the draft that go to, the, like, places that are perfect for them. Like, you can't see it necessarily on draft night. Like, you're you're probably hoping that you're in that first round and that that your name's going to get called and and everything is what you had dreamed of. And then, you know, you get picked here and in like two years, you wind up saying to yourself, Jesus Christ, that was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And, and going to a place like Dallas for him is going to be a fantastic fit for him as the player. I think so too. I mean, this is ideal. Luka Doncic, I mean, think about him. Obviously, he's going to handle the ball primarily. But the ideal role for Luca is having a secondary guy that can push him off ball a little bit more, add a little bit more variety in the half court, especially you get deeper in the playoffs. You can't just have one guy do it. You need to have two or three guys, especially in the modern league. And for Dallas to have Tyrell Terry in there to me, I mean, perfect fit for him, just like you said, Raja, and pretty ideal for what Dallas needs when they're building forward too. I, I love this. This is a blessing in disguise for him to fall to 31. Is there any other contender who picked up somebody who could play for crunch time for them in a round two or a round three today? Precious. So you think Precious could be like the seventh man on the heat potentially? I, I don't really see why not, especially when we looked at them. It, as great as their East run was, I feel like the one flaw, if you're, if you're a Heat fan and you're thinking, hey, we have a chance to get back to the finals, and I don't think it'd be fair to rule them out. I think the East is going to be a little bit more solid. Of course, that depends on what happens with Brooklyn at the top. You know, if the Sixers look better, if Doc can unlock those guys a little bit, and, you know, Toronto will probably just find a way to be competitive. But the West is so big now. Those, those good teams are bigger. It happened quickly. And when it was just BAM – and they tried Myers Leonard for a stretch. Now, it seems weird to play two non-shooters now at the same time. And even Red. Precious, it's not like he's this straight five. Would you put him at four? Like, I can understand sometimes combining those two guys where it wouldn't make a ton of sense. But I could also see some rotations where they they try to figure out, you know, how to how to use him. Because I just think his his energy and his effort and one of those guys is just a pain in the ass to have out on the court. You know, Raja, those guys don't get any of the love 
but you just know there's certain people that just it's not even getting rebounds, but making rebounds tougher. You know, Robin Lopez is somebody that always comes up whenever we've talked about that. And I think that's something that is kind of hard to figure out. You usually don't write down in your scouting notebook, just, def- you know, difficult to deal with because we're focused on all the other stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it's rare, but it, it is sort of rare that you get a guy that comes out that is, you know, ball dominant, going to do a lot of the playmaking, um, going to be the face of the franchise. And and you're talking about them playing major minutes in a playoff run the, the next year, like their rookie year. It, it's generally a guy like you're talking about, right? Nuts and bolts, like sees a need, fills a need. Um, can go out there and just kind of do some of the 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 fringe things that are going to really be you know integral to supporting the 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 stars that you already have in place, right? And can develop into a star, but early like provides a real presence either defensively or rebounding the ball or or just something that just means something to the winning culture that you already have established in the building. It can support your stars, and he fits that bill. Chuba feels destined to go to Miami. I mean, it's just a, a perfect culture fit, perfect uh, system fit. And for him, like the weaknesses he has, like decision making, you know, jumping for pump fakes and some of the stuff like that. It's the type of thing where I think Miami can get a lot of that out of him and iron out those mistakes and iron out those flaws. And then you're going to see a guy who compliments Bam at, at a really exciting level with their defensive versatility with sides. It's going to be tough to go against those dudes if you're able to get precious Achua uh, to be playing like smart fundamental basketball on top of his just insane effort level it's that's going to be really fun ryan can we do guy you felt worst for tonight just for the the fit that he was walking into because for me it's a cora i really liked him and he goes to this cleveland team now that's just like the island of misfit toys right they have two <laughs> two point guards who aren't point guards <laughs> They have the the twin towers of Drummond and Love during an era where nobody wants to play two bigs at the same time. Nobody can play defense at all in the entire team. And then he goes in and it's like, hey, cool. So these two guards are going to have the ball a lot. And you're going to be the only guy who can guard anyone on our team. So every night you're going to have to guard the other team's best guy. And uh, oh, and by the way, if you ever want to drive to the basket, there's going to be two guys blocking the paint on your team the entire time. So good luck. Have fun. I felt the worst for him. Yeah, it's tough to top that one um, because. Oh, and you're in Cleveland. I left out that part. That no, the Cleveland, Cleveland part, Ohio. right? The, the Cleveland part of it is is just so many of these these rosters. I don't know. I mean, look, I'll admit I had a Trey Young joke when he tweeted at a Congo, being like, "I hope you're ready for some alley oops." It's like I hope you're ready to watch a lot of dribbling too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope you're ready to be waved out of the paint so I can cook. Right, be like I'm gonna have the best season tickets in the league. So, uh, you know, but I held, I held back, I held back. I, I wouldn't do that anyway. Good. I would just, Smart. I would just, I would just share it with you guys on a stream. Well, your Trey um, Young's dad has come at you. You don't want to, you don't want to feud with Trey. Yeah, but dad. see, Trey Young's dad didn't understand the point that I was making. He, it all start. It's Perk's fault. Kendrick Perkins, who hates Steph was shitting on Steph by saying, look at what Steph was his first two years in the league and w- look at what Trey Young has done. And I'm like, okay, because that's the same comparison. Mark Jackson yeah. had Steph sitting in the corner and he... If, well, Monte you, Ellis was... Right, and if, yeah. if you had decided to let Steph just have the ball every possession and just pull up from 30 and do whatever he wanted for 40 minutes a night, Steph would have put up big numbers. But then it turned into, why are you dumping on Trey for wanting to be like Steph? I'm like, that's not what I did. So anyway, we'll work it out one day with uh with ray because i i have no it's not personal but okay. i i, I, I like can understand Kongo, though i hope i hope trey passes to him a couple of times i thought he was i i was hoping the celtics were going to trade up and get him to be honest 
like how many that. guys they, did you have? Him 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 how, that'd be nice for him. Did you have 15 guys you hoped the Celtics were going to take at one point tonight? You've got a lot I of guys. Okongwu was the guy that I thought um, we could have trade up and he could actually play for us. Then Halliburton started falling and I lost my mind because I, I thought he was going to go to Detroit. I, I didn't think he was going to fall out of the top eight. So, you know, I, we should have known that this draft was going to get a little goofy, but it, it definitely did. It took a while to get goofy, though. It felt pretty straight up top. I mean, yeah, then it was Patrick Williams. Haywire. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. Middle of the first round, starting really with, I think, Cole and uh, well, Aaron E. Smith, then Cole Anthony, then Isaiah Stewart. That's when things started to get weird. Yeah. Can I ask you a Neesmith question, actually, Kevin? Because everybody talks about that he doesn't have a handle um, or there's not enough of a handle. First of all, as a shooter, there's different shooters. And Raja, you jump in here too whenever. Like There are guys that can hit the shot from the spot that they're comfortable from, and then there's guys that are comfortable from multiple spots, and the second group is smaller. I think Neesmith actually is comfortable from all sorts of different places. And I actually found Vandy would run stuff, and they'd run it, and then it would just Neesmith would have to come back and take it from Scottie Pippen Jr. and then start all over again. And he would have to handle and create. And I, I think he, I honestly feel like in a lot of the evaluations, he didn't have enough credit. He, it wasn't like he was just zinging all over the place, catching it. He would have to bail them out of a lot of possessions, too. And the fact that he shot it the way he shot it, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I think he's a really talented offensive player. No doubt about it from the perimeter. I'm not so sure that you're going to get like a, the ability to drive to the rim or draw fouls uh, or make plays off the dribble. But he can at least be one of It's like we talked about earlier, Ryan. There's guys who you don't want taking three dribbles. With him, mm -hmm. you can get one or two really good dribbles and maybe a third sometimes. He's not a creator, but he can create for himself a little bit on the perimeter playing off of others. For him, it's really about like what level does he reach defensively? He was an average college defender. And for the guy with his size and his length, you would hope that he yeah, with his wingspan. Kind of something more. But, you know? you know, I mean, wingspan is it? What was your wingspan, Raja? Or what, I, uh, what is it now? Does the wingspan decline? That's the wingspan question. doesn't. I'm mean, height does wingspan. I, don't, I think says the same. I was about six eight. Um, and how tall are you? Six five. Yeah. So that's like the perfect. You're the prototype. Yeah. So you want to be like I actually think. Um, you know, on a team like the Celtics, you know, when you got creators to some degree in Jalen Brown and Tatum and and um, um, Kemba, Kemba. Yeah, you can have. You know, a guy that, that doesn't necessarily, he's not a pure creator, but can really shoot the ball and knock it down from, to your point, a, a variety of different spots. It's not just a one spot kind of guy. And I think culturally, like they really do, Brad Stevens hangs his hat on defense. So another guy who, if you go in there, you've got the frame, you've got kind of the tools to work with it. If you buy in culturally with a good group of vets, um, you know, you can be productive there because space is critical to to those other guys we just mentioned in their ability to play create. So if you can sit out there and knock down jump shots and then be serviceable defensively as a rookie, uh, there could be real minutes there. It's kind of like, you know, today, but just now, Josh Richardson was traded by the Sixers to the Mavericks at the 36th pick with Richardson for Seth Curry. And Richardson's kind of one of those guys that you're Did talking about. Did that just about. happen? That just happened now, according to Shams and Woj and, you know, and all the reporters. But um, So Tyrell Terry moves into the Seth Curry spot. Into the Seth Curry spot, right into Man. it. But, you know, but <laughs> Richardson is one of those types of guys that we're sort of talking about here, right? I mean, like, I think you would want Neesmith to grow into that type of role and hopefully get better on defense. Maybe not a guy who's handling a lot for you, but can here and there. Uh, that that would be the long-term goal for him. But I'm not so sure that the ball handling ability is there. But if it is, it's never going to be at a high level. He's always going to be a shooter for you. And if he can shoot a heck of a lot better than Richardson while being good on defense, that'd be a really nice player. But there's a lot of questions, though. I didn't mind that pick. 
I actually think he's a really good character guy along the lines of Jalen Brown. Like there, there is like something, I think Halliburton's like that too. I think, I think there are a couple guys in this draft who had a, a whiff of like the Jalen Brown, this guy off the court could also have a real impact on a franchise. Um, I just thought once Halliburton got to 10 for, for what, when they needed another impact guy, I think Halliburton's going to come back to haunt five or six of those teams, you know, and I love going on the record after these drafts. <laughs> I think Halliburton is going to be the guy from this draft that just, we're going to look back and go, what the fuck? How did that guy go 12? There's a guy like that every year. And I think he's going to be the guy this year. And I didn't mind some of the picks, but I thought that was stupid. And I know KOC loves Killian Hayes, but to me, Halliburton versus Killian Hayes, I just like Halliburton more. I think he's a safer pick. Halliburton's more ready to play. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you that for sure. I think with Killian Hayes, he still needs to get better, you know, needs to get just more matured in the court and needs to improve his jumper with with Tyree with uh, Halliburton. That's a nice fit with the Aaron Fox. You have speed, mm. you have feel. It's a contrasting styles and and those guys can complement each other quite well with De'Aaron Fox. I'm excited. Good stable franchise. <laughs> I mean, you don't hear a lot of guys say, I love Sacramento's great for me. That's what we heard. <laughs> Can't I mean, wait to settle down here. <laughs> there were a few highlights in the broadcast. Um, my favorite so far is RJ Hampton's father yelling fuck and then taking the Milwaukee Bucks hat and chucking it behind the couch. And then I don't think they realized that they were also not going to New Orleans. And then I think it's a good spot for RJ Hampton, even though it went later than he thought he would go. Raja, do you know immediately when a rookie comes in? Like, how many times have you... Give me a story about being right and if there are times where you were wrong. Because all of you guys are wired good the same question. way, I feel like, where you'll know so soon, you're like, this pick is going to suck. And name names. All right. Um... Like, He's like, uh, Earl Clark. No, yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> they, they both happen to kind of be in Utah. Um, Gordon Hayward, uh, when they picked, when, when the jazz picked Gordon, um, I had, you just didn't I, like him. You didn't see it. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I like, I, I, you know, I'd watched him. I didn't know he was going to be as good as he was, but I knew he was going to be a really, really solid, good pro. Um, from when they picked him from watching him at Butler. And then from like the first days of training camp, when, you know, you run up on a guy, he's a, he's young, he's wet behind the ears, and you try him real quick with, like, a quick, you know, forearm shiver to the chops. Oh, you tried you, you to bully him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, listen, we're, <laughs> we're fighting for a spot. But, no, Gordon Gordon didn't back down. He, he wasn't an obnoxious rook, but he was certainly letting you know that he was not intimidated by the situation. So you, you knew Gordon was going to be good. And then on the flip side of that, same franchise, um, they drafted Kirk Snyder the first time I was there. And it was a pretty high pick. Um, and I just didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't love that. I didn't know a lot about him in college, but from what I had understood, um, I had my concerns and that one didn't work out for the Jazz. Mm. That was diplomatic, Raja. I appreciate that. I like yeah, that was Raja the nicest treats, way. Raja treats training <laughs> camp like it's season two of Oz. Like there's yeah. a new character, new character in the prison. We got to test this guy right away. Hey, listen, I was a terrible teammate in that regard um coming out of the shoot because i was trying to wait like i was trying to prove that it was still my spot but right. but but gordon wound up being look you always have respect for a guy like that a rook that comes in like he's not obnoxious he's cool with being a rook he's not going to let you push him over so he knows that like he belongs there um but there's still some humility and so like i loved gordon gordon was one of my favorite rooks but but you know you try him to see what's up like you need to know who you're in a foxhole with 
Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience by betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook this football season. There's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. This isn't in the script, but the app and the website are so easy to use and navigate, so that's probably why it's number one. Their app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like Same Game Parlay, which we've talked about all season here, and exclusive always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And if you win, they even get you your winnings safely in as little as 24 hours. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. I don't know if you guys truly listen to this enough. I'm going to repeat it slower so that you hear it. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. So bet a grand on a game, lose credit back to you. Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep it. You keep the cash. If you lose, you get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. So let's take a look at some of the lines. I think New England's figured some things out. I love it. Bill is back. Yeah, Bill is back. So go ahead. Lay. Maybe you'll get Maybe you'll get a pick them in that one. Depends. Could be an announcement of some stuff. By the way, New England is just all run first on those that Cook Index that we like with Sando running the football where the score is not impacting your play calling first 28 minutes of the game. The wing is just running the football now. They're just running it all the time. All right, so if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Be sure to sign up with promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, so they know I sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Must be 21 or older and present New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF. Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois. Tennessee, red line 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.NET, West Virginia. Can we talk about how we had so many months to stare at this draft? And I know KOC just stared at it like uh, for hundreds of hours, Bit almost too much. too much time. Yeah, too in much. a way, it was like, <laughs> "Hey, this is actually cool. I have a real feel for this draft." <laughs> but as we headed into the last week, so I don't know. Edwards might drop. Lamelo might drop. Well, Wiseman could go to one. Who's it? And basically, the whole time, what we thought the one, two, three was ended up being the one, two, three. <laughs> So now I'm thinking like we should just keep it the way it was with the draft. Just like have it right after the final. So be it like nothing really changed in the mocks for four months ago. Right, KOC? Not really. I mean, it, what's funny is just this past week with all these potential trades up yeah. top, you know, you hear about two and four flip in or three and one. And then none of it happens. Just nothing. 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 Yeah, I got to tell you this. There's a moment where I go, holy shit, am I bored? This is your favorite thing in the world. And. <laughs> I, there was there was a little stretch where I went. Well, let's do it. Am no, I, go. Let's. It's time. D- do it. Let's do the thing. With go. the COVID restrictions, you knew the broadcast was going to be challenging, and they really leaned in on the Malika um, Andrews pieces where she was doing a lot of the family stuff, which everybody really seems to like. But I don't know how we've gotten so far away from draft night where everybody in studio, like those should be discussions. Hey, this is what I like about this pick. This is what I don't like about this pick. There was a better guy on the board. Hey, you think he can shoot? Hey, I don't think he's as good of enough of a shooter. I think that's what basketball fans want. If you're going to sit here and watch this thing for four hours, I know that's what I want. Maybe I'm the wrong audience, but there's been this GMAing of all of these broadcasts now that I don't, I don't understand how that happened. 
And I mean, well, when you we, go back we to have the a NFL network for it, though, we have a network for it. It's called ABC. Yeah. And that's what that telecast on there. Let me watch the, the telecast that tells me what trades just happened. Do you remember the NFL draft? It was like, hey, all right, talk about your coach. And did anyone die? No. Right. A dog. Did you have a dog that was maybe dropped off at a farm? No. Right. OK. All right. Next. I mean, every single story was especially on that NFL broadcast was like, how can we make this thing a tearjerker? And we're doing this on a ton of shows now. And it's not even just ESPN. Like, I don't I don't quite get it. It's the sapization of, yeah. of ESPN. I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> I want guys arguing in studio saying, yeah. I can't believe you like this pick. That's what everybody else is doing. And now we're so far removed from that. I don't quite understand it. I was in my back house, but the, I had the TV Must on be in the nice. living room. And my wife came out. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> little, where, where am I right now? You said a back house, bro. You said a it's back a house. Pool house. I'm in house number up. two. So my wife comes out and she, and I guess the draft had been on and she was making dinner and she's like, I just cried three picks in a row, like dead serious. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, that's why they You're do like, this. You're like, I did too, because yeah, the Celtics took Neesmith instead. I was like, I cried too because this draft telecast is so bad. The, there were no arguments. Every pick was the greatest pick ever. There was no, like Halliburton starts falling. They're not going crazy about it. Um, trades are happening. Woj is six minutes ahead of each pick on Twitter. And I just, I don't understand it. Why would you have a telecast that doesn't reflect the basketball fans' experience of digesting the draft? It was like this separate, and I've done the draft. I did two years in a row, and I felt like back then, at least we would argue about the picks and be like, wow, that was weird. Why'd they do that? That part's just gone. They don't question anything. It's not now. even a part of it. Like, I wonder how that even works. Like, do you guys want, like, just like we're sitting here now. And if I think you're ridiculous on a pick, I'm just going to tell you. And right. it doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean you're wrong or any of that kind of stuff. But I feel like every fan base and granted, you know, we can talk about the the challenges of now, but it isn't just this year. It's, it's moving further and further away from what I think everyone that's at home is doing. The people that are still watching the second round right now are lifers, are hardcore. Yeah. All right. And there were just moments where I go, wait, that's a trade, right? That's a trade. And I, I don't know. I, I just wait, before the Charlotte pick, they didn't even talk about it. They just went right from, you know, the long James Wiseman section interview, more James. Hey, let's talk to his uncle. And then all of a sudden it's like Charlotte's on the clock. Oh, they took Lamella Balls. I don't know. Kind of a I, I wanted like two minutes of something. I don't know. Roger, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I look. I, I, I think a lot of sh a lot of shit is just different. People are trying to figure their way around it. But I, I'm I'm with you in that. You know, you can't. Everything in this draft wasn't great, and so if it wasn't great, like we came on here early, and you know, I talked about Obi Toppin. I, two of you both said you like the pick, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's no, right. no offense taken. We it's disagreed. Your, it's your opinion. Yeah, it's what the, it's what it is. So uh, there should be more of that when you've got, you know, four guys in a studio breaking down a draft like this. I agree. It can't all be, it can't all be the same shit as I just agreed with you guys doing exactly what they <laughs> you should have told us. You should have told us you love it and you like those. Because I, I think we end up coming off like I know I'm, you know, to be like, oh, right. You don't like, I think people do like the family touching stories, but I, I know I know that there's a lot of basketball fans. They're so into this and we had to wait a few extra months. And I just think there's so many cool basketball things. Like I want to talk Kyra Lewis on the Pelicans. I, I think that's why you mentioned the idea of having like uh, this on ABC, right? Like the story, the family stories on an ABC style channel, then analysis on another. Like, I think it would be great to have ESPN having one broadcast, ESPN two having another, because on one of them, 
You could have Adam Silver go up there, you know, six minutes after the whole world knows where they're getting picked. On the other one, you could go to Woj, have him on camera, announce the pick, and then go to a roundtable of people debating the pick, wondering where the hell is Alibert going? Why is this happening? Why are teams right. letting him fall? You and then why would the that. Kings take him when they have a point guard? Like, it's, at least let's have you, that conversation. Wait a yeah, second, it doesn't how's even, that going to work? You're right. You're right. That part is like never even brought up. Like, do you go, wait a minute, can he play off of De'Aaron Fox? Well, actually, he could play off because his freshman year, he had other guards there that were scores. All right, boom, 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 and all these different things. And you have the most powerful guy covering any sport in Woj. And you're like, I want to hear what Woj is saying more about the climate of some of the stuff that's happening. Or maybe just on the phone so much that it's hard. But I feel like I go, I want more Woj. And- you know uh, you know what they did add that I kind of enjoyed was the Bobby Marks who runs in. I like Bobby Marks. He's a good guy. But he runs that he runs interview stuff for like 45 of the guys, helps them learn how to get interviewed by teams. So they go to him on Halliburton. And I saw him to this two days ago, too, where he's like, it's almost like he's like Tom Cruise talking about Scientology or something. He's like, he's like, Tyrese Halliburton is the best human being <laughs> I've met in my 48 yeah, years yeah. on Earth. I watched him. There was a dying dog in the street and he touched it with his pinky and the dog got up and ran away. Like it was like that kind of energy. And you were like, all right, I'm sure he's a good guy. But it, like, is this guy Gandhi? Are we going to be making a three and a half hour movie about him someday? What's what's going on here? But it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like selling how great each guy is versus like, let's can we just talk about the basketball fit? Does this guy make sense on this team? Like, I well, thought that was the whole point of the draft. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's because it's kids, and maybe it's because people just don't want to get up there and be like, oh, this guy sucks. What a reach. You know, Raja it could be as Bell, simple as that. Out of the 58 people I've worked with at The Ringer, I have never met anybody who on a Zoom could be more understanding. I, I just, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's like, where the hell is this going? Yeah, I just don't understand the, the complimentary hyperbole. It's like this whole thing with the draft now. I don't get I it. I was like, what the fuck? What? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, especially to like in a draft that we all think may kind of suck. Do we want to do a round two update quick, though? Only Uh-oh. because oh, no. this is just an interesting one. Vernon Carey at Duke, 6'10", 270. He was, I think, yeah, he was the number five player in Rivals. Five-star, number five player. If you go Rivals, it was Wiseman. It was Isaiah Stewart, the big kid, um, obviously out of Washington, where lottery picks go to die. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Edwards, who... Went one. Cole Anthony was four. Vernon Carey was five. He goes into Duke. Kevin, I don't know. Did you have him at some point? I imagine pretty high in like a mock a year out because he's Probably this high. Yeah, yeah, right. And I'd ask because I was like, hey, what's up with Cassius? What's up? What's up with all these Duke guys? And they're complete afterthoughts. And when you watch Vernon, the size stood out, but there really wasn't. But and whenever you talk to like I couldn't find one guy that's like, hey, man, people were sleeping on him. It was just a bad year at Duke. He probably went higher than people thought going 32. So there you go. That's my second round guy for you. I have a Raja Duke thing. I think Raja, like about five years ago, just could have started pretending he went to Duke and it would have been far enough ago that nobody would have would have even known. But you would have been a great Duke guy. I always I could have totally have seen you in there. I always thought I would have been a great Duke. And I'm all I'm so I'm friends with a lot of Duke dudes, so I know yeah. like I would be good in a Duke uniform. <laughs> Unfortunately, you like much, I got how recruited much Coach by K meant to you? zero ACC schools, so it just wasn't in the cards. <laughs> it should have happened. We we got to have a do over on that. You don't Yo, flop I'm, enough I, though. Raja doesn't flop enough. To be true. That That's Duke. a yeah. good point. Uh, what, hey, listen, I, I'm because you brought up um, uh, Vern. Like I'm I'm friends with his dad. Uh, oh I yeah, talk him, him up. 
Let's go. I've watched no, I've watched him play in high school. Like I like he's right around the corner from me. So I've watched him since he was like in the 10th grade. I'm asking you guys, because like what 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 was it? Was it just like not the the that type of big, like the size, the 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 maybe lack of athleticism? Like what was it that that they saw, you know, in the in the year that just, you know, caused him to slip like that? I'm, I'm just, just a throwback. You know, yeah. I mean, pe- people question how much of a of a modern skill set does he have for on the defensive end of the floor, uh, for you know, just just everything really. You know, yeah. in terms of decision making for you, I mean, he sort of reminds me a little bit of like Jared Solinger. Uh, I mean, maybe do, maybe Solinger had more perimeter than Carey did. So. I, I agree. So, yeah. So I talk about him a little. Like I talked, I talk about him a lot. Um, and I feel like like the skill set isn't. I feel like Duke was a bad choice for him. Like, it sounds crazy, but I feel like mm. if you go somewhere where they let you not play on the block, because Coach K is going to mold his team around whatever he's got, wh- the best way for him to win games. He does it every year. He runs a different offense. Like, sometimes they're just in floppy, right? And then other years, they're kind of spaced out, and he's going to let a guard go to work. Um, I feel like it was a bad fit for Vern. Not, I'm not saying he's going to be a great pro, but I think if you showed, like, you go to Kentucky where they let you do some other things, like, maybe there's a different narrative around you. That's right what here. I used to love about the UConn guys because Calhoun would just load up on them and be like, get out there and run and bust your ass on defense. You do whatever you want. And mm. it was I'm, it was different. It was more freedom. Here's a zag as he ducks. I don't know that I love what they were doing on offense at Duke the last couple of years with K. And the fact that Zion would they would have these moments where basically it was just it was up to bad. Zion to bail everybody out and RJ and Cam Reddish are still on the team. And some of that I think is more on Cam and RJ regressing a bit. But that team was ridiculous. That's three lottery picks. And I know the tournament's one and done and all that kind of stuff. But then when I'd watch all these guys come in, and like what world would three Duke players come in that are projected as maybe two lotteries and another first rounder, none of them go in the first round? Speaking mm. about bigs, yeah. one guy I don't believe we've discussed yet is James Wiseman going to the Warriors with the second like pick. That. And what a, what a big day for the Warriors. Uh, Chris Haynes Ooh. said may, maybe an Achilles injury. Um, yeah. I mean, that's awful if that turns out to be the case. But James Wiseman going to them, uh, second pick in the draft, that's a perfect pick. pick for them. Perfect fit for Wiseman to get better at his weaknesses. He can play right away, be a rim runner for them. Uh, Ryan, I know he's your top guy in the draft. Do you feel he's like my number one guy? Yeah, perfect situation for him, right? Yeah, and I got to tell you, I, I believe I, I need to do more digging on this, and maybe I'll have it for Friday's pod. But I think there was a lot of of changing of the minds back and forth. Like, hey, if Edwards is there, if Mello is there, if Wiseman is there, and that's why I was getting a little coy with Bill earlier in the week. I didn't like it. Yeah, I know you didn't, <laughs> but I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. So. I'm just I'm just saying that I wonder how much we'll learn about, you know, you never know with teams after the fact because teams are very protective of of like when something doesn't work out, they'll say, well, that's because of this, this and this. You're like, all right, well, maybe that's true, but I'm not quite sure. But I just love the Wiseman pick. But it would just been weird had if Edwards had fallen, would people have said, oh, well, they didn't take Wiseman or they, they took the guard or they took mellow because Clay had gotten hurt earlier that day. I don't really think that team's too smart. That's not how they would run their board. But I love, hopefully, if Clay's healthy. And even without, you know, you still have Steph. I don't know what's going to happen with Wiggins. Maybe he's asked to do more here, obviously, if if Clay's injury is really bad. But it just makes a lot of sense because they've been kind of piecemealing it there at center for a while. And I, look, I just like him. Uh, I like what his floor is. I, I like what his it, floor is. And I get really excited about what his ceiling could be. The thing is, I, I was thinking the Clay thing, and I hope he's okay. And I really miss watching Clay, so I, I really I know. hope it's a blip. But uh, 
I was so excited to watch that team with Wiseman. And I just, they haven't really ever had a guy like that in the mix with the shooters they have and just how smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been like these flawed dudes. But I was thinking like when, when I saw the clay news, I do believe in, in basketball karma sometimes where you can have such a good run for so long that it just can't last. It's like a see, it's like a seesaw. It's got a seesaw the other way. And you think like the Warriors, they had such like a blessed run there for so many years. Is it? With the, no, Durant with the goes down and costs him a title. No, no. I'm Steph saying goes I'm, down. I'm going back. I'm going back to 09. I'm saying like Curry falling to them. The Clay Thompson pick. Um, the fact the, that the cap spike the Draymond Durant, goes but. to 36. The cap spike gets him Durant. The Harrison Barnes game where they're trying to tank it. And it goes into overtime and they finally pull it out and they wouldn't even have that Harrison Barnes pick. And then Durant coming and all that. Like they had this great run. And then it's like from the moment KD went down, it's been one thing after another. And it's like that seesaw thing. I don't know. I don't know. Raj, am I overthinking that? A little bit, but I, I'm with you. I, mean, I, 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 <laughs> I was hoping he wasn't going to agree, by the way. A little so bit. Good. Well um, done, Roger. I, I do believe in, in basketball guys too, though. I just, you know, my takeaway from that is like, uh, not not your point, but like the and the injury itself. Um, if Clay, if that's an Achilles injury, I don't think you ever see the guy that 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 was in the prime of his career again. Like you don't you don't come back from an Achilles usually and and look the same. You're certainly not coming off of an ACL, not having played, and now you've got an Achilles and come back and look like you in did both before. Legs. That that's just terrible. That's it's awful. I I hope that. I just hope it's not true because that that would be the end of Clay as you, as you knew him. And by the way, did be, we get did we get the ruling on it's the opposite leg of the ACL? Correct. Yeah. So, Raja, that that probably tells you something. Where, however, he was training, and we know Clay's an absolute gym rat. Like he's the kind of guy that, like, three days after surgery, when they say don't do anything for six weeks, he's probably trying to get some shots up. Yeah. I just I wonder if that has if it was the rehab is the reason why you end up blowing out the Achilles. You're overcompensating probably. Like, I mean, I, I haven't seen any Clay's workouts, but typically, you know, when you come back and you're really trying to, you know, get yeah. back after it, you're ever, it's, it's a kinetic chain, right? Like everything's trying to make up for a deficiency on the other side. And before you know it, you've, you've, you've injured something else, which is a shame. I mean, we don't know exactly how he injured it, but he was playing like full court games yeah. in, in LA um, with a whole bunch of guys that were coming through that gym. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it probably happened during a game. That's tough. The other thing that uh, happened today that just got lost because it got tweeted out right before the draft, but it had been something that I think we had all been hearing all day is that the Bogdanovich signing trade isn't actually happening where they made the trade, it's going, but then they forgot the part that he's a restricted free agent and he actually has to sign the deal and agree to it. They didn't forget and, the part. Other teams couldn't believe, and I didn't really know like what, but it was the number, it was the cap gurus were like, this actually can't happen in this order. And then I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, take it up with the commissioner. So right. you're right. Like, it, But it, I think completely... they thought, the way I perceived it was he's restricted, but they've talked to him, he's going to sign, and then they'll trade him to Milwaukee. But that's apparently not what happened, and it doesn't look like he's going to Milwaukee. So this two days that we spent where we were like, oh, my God, Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich, and now Giannis will stay, and and now he's with Dante DiVincenzo. What if what if Giannis goes? Hey, I thought we were getting Bogdanovich. I'm out of here. Sorry about all those picks. Yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm I really. You think he would do that? <laughs> it sounds like I you want know. that to happen. Does anything surprise you, James Harden? It's like I'm out. 
He's just like I overnight, like I'm gone. I'm what do you want to have happen more, that or Kyrie end up on the Heat? I don't think Bogdanovich is going to Milwaukee. I'm telling you that much. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I don't know that it also means Giannis bails. It would just be really nasty if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. I have nothing else to add to this. I just, I know ex- how excited. What were you looking for? Kyrie getting traded where? There was a r- rumor not true. Or if it was true, it maybe lasted a second, but that there was, they were trying to figure out a three-way deal and it had Kyrie ending up in Miami, which I just refused to believe. But the thought of them trading Kyrie was just, we talked about it a little yesterday on my podcast with Raja. I just thought that was hilarious. Durant and Kyrie would have never played together and they trade Kyrie. Like, like what are the odds of that? So uh, I don't think that will happen. I actually, I think Harden's going to end up going to Philly if I had to make a bet. I would bet on uh, on Westbrook and Harden getting traded within the next few days. Westbrook where? I think Westbrook is going to get traded pretty soon. To where, though? Uh, to an Easter Conference team. That's my guess. So you think Kemba and some first do it? No, it won't be the Celtics. <laughs> I I will say this: I didn't I didn't fully believe it until the Horford trade today. That's kind of secretly saved Philly a lot of money. Yeah, and there's a lot of tax about, like, stuff there. Yeah. How much you have to add whatever that Harden trade is. And the, and I think we all agree the Harden Ben Simmons whatever that looks like is the most logical trade. If Houston's going to trade Harden, they have to get somebody like Ben Simmons back or it's not worth it. So I, re- I reported earlier in the week that, you know, people in, around the league were just saying Tillman for Ted is not going to trade uh James Harden Daryl Morey. But it is noteworthy, and I know this is silly, but his son <laughs> on Twitter has been liking tweets saying, my dad's a businessman. This is part of negotiations. He, he's going to take the best offer available. He's a businessman. All this stuff about that, this and that. So that would be part of it. Like, you might try to get more from Daryl because he's Daryl. But that's part of it, trying to get everything you can. Because that Nets offer, man, like, that, that's something. There's you no take, way. Ne- that's something you take this offseason when there's nothing else available. Right That's now, what I've never understood about deal. this. That so many people that keep writing, well, you can't bring him back. I can bring him back if it's for no Dinwiddie kidding. and Karis LeVert. And, yeah. you know, like, look, I kind of like Karis LeVert. Dinwiddie's turned into a nice story, but give me a break. I'm not doing it. Not with two years plus a player option. Did you, uh, no sense. do you have any good Westbrook stories, Raja? Oh. No, 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 no. Uh, like, None? Did you no. never, because I could see you not wanting to put up with that or him maybe not trying you as much as he tries other guys. I actually, well, he never tried me. I like, I respected uh, Russ because of the way he competed, right? Like, so sure. there's, it's kind of like a fraternal thing. Like, do you, you know, there were some guys and I won't say any names um, that when you go out to the jump ball, uh, they're trying to make nice with you. Like, hey man, like, you know, how's it going? Like there were even Luke guys Kennard. There are even guys in the NBA that would tell you, hey, man, this play's not for me. It's not for me. Just chill, just chill, just chill. We're going through it. Just this play's are not for me. Are you serious? Right? Oh, facts. But like Russ wasn't wired like that. And I always had respect. I love for that dudes. part of Russ. I, I look, I yeah, criticize yeah. him all the time, but that part I love. I just, yeah. you know. That's just about uh, the, all, the only experience I have with him is just straight up competition. But I always respected him for the way he got Yeah, see, I bet he respected Raja more than he would respect, like, I don't know, Ru- Peyton Pritchard. Russ is Nick Cage. We just want to see him in the straight to VOD movies where like somebody died and he's got to find them and he's not winning an Oscar <laughs> is you spend two hours with Russ. You're going to have a good time and the movie's going to cost four ninety nine. That's Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I, I think the mistake has been this guy is an Oscar winner. This guy, no, he could be a lead. No, that, that's who he is. He's Nick Cage. I want him to go to an Eastern type conference team and take 30 shots a game. And have the occasional like 42, 15, and 17. And 
Let's go. Wait, he'll make one of Bill- those seven shitty Eastern teams much more exciting just by being on the team. All right, so we've whittled it down to one quarter of the league. It's a shitty Eastern team. Bill has this look on his face like he is just bursting. Well, like you with LaMelo Ball a couple days ago? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's the same thing. I don't know. Well, this can't even get aggregated, though. You've done a good job of hiding it. What else do we I, need to I hit didn't on? say anything. I know. You did a terrific job. Uh, <laughs> Nick Richards, Kentucky, off the board. So just in case anybody was wondering. Most disappointing team. <laughs> most disappointing team that didn't do, do anything was Indiana. I was waiting for like all this Indiana mover. They're going to be in the middle of stuff. Old Depot, Turner, um, who knows? And nothing. Nothing from them. I do think they were kicking tires on some trades, but I don't, I just don't think anything happened to them. But the old depot thing. Roger, would you take a flyer on Old Depot for a year at twenty million? Yep, you would. Yeah, yeah, I like. I would too. Yeah. What are you giving up though? It's got to be a buy low. I think that's what it is. How low is it worth for Indiana? I don't know what value is anymore when Landry Shamit's worth the nineteenth pick. You're way too hard on Landry Shamit. Shamit face. Yeah, Shamit face is in your head. He was terrific as a rookie. He was closing. Ah, terrific's a little strong. His, his three-point shooting was, was fine. Was, He's really good with the Clippers, too. Really came along in the that's defensive my end point. of the court. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, Bill, I don't know what the hell Landry Shamit did to you. But, He's fine. But I, I think the real question is, would you rather have Landry Shamit or Luke Kennard? They kind of had a like choice there between the two. Landry Shamit. You uh, like Rosh Landry Shamit? doesn't even want to hear it. Landry Shamit, sir, Yes. I'm with Why? I'm with KOC and Ryan. How, how come Raja? I'm curious. Because he's he's Team Brooklyn now. No, I like I listen. I think look, I, <laughs> I I liked him when he was in Philly. I liked him when he was when he was uh, in which at Wichita. But uh, like I I think he can really shoot the ball. I think he has like the 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 spirit that which you would want. Like there are a lot of people that shoot the ball, but I think he's got a, a moxie about him and, and a toughness about him that 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 is good on winning teams that you need. Like there's a nuts and bolts kind of. You know, feel to him for me for good teams. If, if I liked him say- more until the bubble, but now he might have that might have been COVID stuff when he was just to show himself. I don't know, but I, I thought he was bad in the bubble. Fair. Couple guys that are still available. Nico Mannion's going to end up in Italy a lot quicker than we thought. Uh, he's mm-hmm. still available. Cassius Winston, Michigan State. My guy Isaiah Joe still on the board. Isaiah some medical Joe's still on the board. Some medicals people worried about. Killian mm-hmm. Tilly. Speaking of medicals. Oh yeah. He is, uh, he's, he's good. He's actually good. I mean, he's 6'10". He can shoot the hell out of the ball. He can actually move off the shot. But what is it? It was a, a knee surgery, a fracture in the foot. There was an ankle thing. And then it was just like all of these injuries never could stay healthy. But if he wasn't, again, if a senior who didn't have a million injuries, he's from France. So I don't know all the different factors that go against him. I'm not even trying to be anti-French right now. I know that sounded weird. But uh, so yeah, what about your guy, Isaiah rounder. Joe? Isaiah Joe still available. So I, I checked on that. Isaiah Joe, if you remember his timeline, for those who don't remember, 6'5", Arkansas, shoot the hell out of the ball. Wasn't a highly recruited guy. Small school in Arkansas. Actually, I don't know the size of the high school, but he didn't have a ton of interest. I think Alabama was the only other big team that wanted him. And he he had a promise from Philly <laughs> before Daryl took over. And so before Daryl even got there, they brought him in. They didn't like something in his medical. He missed some time. The team, you know, again, everybody always has different medical opinions on all sorts of stuff as we're learning now, but that apparently it wasn't that bad, 
But then once he had had some procedure, then Philly was like, we're out. And then it's a whole new team there. So I'm just telling you, there were way too many guys that I watched in this draft class that I don't think are going to score in the NBA. And I think if Isaiah Joe is healthy, he can score in the league. I'm with you there, Ryan. And to me, I mean, medical aside, there's no doubt about this guy's ability to be an NBA player for you. His ability to shoot off screens. It's sort of like we talked about earlier with the ability to not just spot up and shoot. He can come off of movement and drain threes for you. I mean, to me, if he's able to stay healthy, whatever the medical is, he's going to end up one of the second round steals that we have here. And we there's a couple here. I mean, I think Xavier Tillman. Uh, another guy who had some medical issues going to Memphis, uh, Robert Woodard, a wing that I had ranked, I believe, 20th or 21st. You know, how about Tyshawn Alexander, the Creighton kid? I like him, too. He, look, again, you know, who are we talking about here? Most of these guys are never even going to have any kind of career. But he is on a good college team, and he was so full of himself in the best way possible as a basketball player. Like, hmm. he thinks he's the shit every single minute he was out there. And I know you had him higher than this, and I agreed with you. And I mean, ESPN has him now as best available at he's the 20th best available players. We're halfway through the second round. So I have a question for Raja because mm-hmm. Raja, will you be a GM at some point? I don't know what year, what year, what's the over under for you? 2027 <laughs> at some point, got, you'll be a GM or got to get all these kids out the house, brother. Yeah. Once, once you, once you put some kids in boarding school and college, <laughs> um, what is the point of promising people that you're going to draft them? I don't get that. I think so much can happen. Like, let's say, for instance, let's say uh, Sacramento had promised the seven foot, 180 pound kid that OKC took that KOC likes is going to be a bust. Let's say they had taken <laughs> shots fired. Yeah. Let's say they <laughs> promised that dude at 12, we're going to take you. But then Halliburton drops and now he's sitting there at 12 and you're like, ah, we promised the 180 pound kid. We're going to get him some meat meals and try to put him on some shakes, get him up to 198. <laughs> <laughs> um, or we could just take Halliburton, who's going to be awesome. I would be like, fuck that. I, I'm, our promise is broken. What is the point of doing promises? Yeah, I, listen, I, I haven't been in a situation where there was a promise made. So, like, I, I, I don't understand why you would promise someone and, like, pigeonhole yourself with that either. My, my take on a promise is, is that, you know, it's not really a promise. Like, my situation coming out of the draft Atlanta they didn't promise me but they was like we'll take you with that last pick in the draft if it's around so what what that did for me was like you know maybe I don't need to go to every workout now right like I have something in hand so to speak so you could in theory kind of stop a guy from being exposed to everybody so you else can pick your spots a little bit almost or, yeah. well, or if mail you were, it in on certain teams that you don't really want to play for yeah, I mean, look, for, for, from my perspective, like, so it happened to me with San Antonio also, right? Like, they tried to stash me in a summer league because they didn't want me going out there and they wanted to sign me to a one-year deal. And, you know, I was happy to be locked into San Antonio, so I just sat the rest of summer league. They didn't want me getting out there and showing everybody else in the league what I could do. So f- your question about a promise is I don't know why you would promise anyone that you were going to take them um, when you don't know what's going to happen in the draft. I, I have no idea because I've never been in that type of situation. What do you think, KOC? Why do teams do this? Want them to stop working out with teams. Just wanted them to shut it down so yep. they increase their chances of getting that guy. Uh, I think it's as simple as that, really. And sometimes that can end up screwing you in certain situations where if a guy falls, you might have to break that promise and ruin that relationship and deal with all that comes from that. Or may- maybe like that's what ends up getting you that player instead of having them risk going for a workout for two or three or four teams that are ahead of your pick. And on the other side, like for the player and his agent and their, their, their team, it's a risk for them too. 
if draft position matters, matters to them. But oftentimes, I mean, like with Pokushevsky, it's been OKC, OKC for him for so long. And like, you know, you might say he's going to be a bust, but for his team, it was about the best fit. And the best fit was OKC. So there's no use in having him go work out for Sacramento at number 12 or New Orleans at number 13 because they didn't want him to go there. They wanted him to go to OKC. I think he's going to make their G the League team unbelievable. Um, I look forward next, to watching next him five years of G oh, yeah, League yeah. with that dude. He's going to be lighting it up. I mean, he might he might honestly be like the LeBron of the G League, but he could play 15 <laughs> years. He, could he get 30,000 points? I don't know. How many how many no, games it, a year do they it, play it, in the G it's League? The, if the Celtics drafted Pokerchevsky, you'd be talking no, yourself into a no. seven footer. I who already can shoot, told you who can pass. Is he seven foot, 180 pounds? Remember, we did this with Raja. <laughs> he like, actually hey, doesn't Raja. dunk. By the way, he's seven one. He drives. <laughs> He doesn't dunk. I saw one dunk in like hours of footage of him. Remember, I'm, we gave, you, I'm out. I'm out. We gave Raj oh, his physique. It was 7 one, 185. Raj is like, I'm out. That's all I need to know. And he can't dunk. Speaking can't of measurables, uh, Israeli point guard Yam Madar goes to the Celtics, listed right now at 6'2", zero pounds. So we need to update this profile. <laughs> zero pounds. Wow. Needs to put on some weight. It does say in the Sky Report needs to fill out frame. <laughs> mm. And we got Nico Mannion to Golden State as well. I mean, done. Clay, who cares? Now it's it's we're good. <laughs> Steps right in for for Clay. Uh, I, any other shockers before we go, or any anything that jumped out? Any surprises? How about, maybe Jamias Ramsey, the Texas Tech kid, who he's he's wild. Uh, there's a lot going yeah. on there, but he had a he had a pretty big high school profile. Was part of the high school circuit. Um, him going in the middle of the second though. Uh, you know, maybe that's on the later end for him. I'd say most of this kind of went chalk, except for a couple surprises. But I feel like the top of the second has been a little different than the, Yeah, well, there about, were just we a didn't few talk more about, surprises. We didn't talk about RJ Hampton going to Denver, like the classic. Put that dude in a trade, where what is it? You know, he was like a top five high school guy a year ago. Goes overseas, drops probably too far. And now if they want to get that third dude and do the Porter Hampton, now that's your Bradley Beal package or somebody like that, potentially, if he shows any signs of promise at all. KOC seems dubious. I mean, you'd hope so. I mean, he's got a long way to go. And I like I'm that not team sure. for him, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think sure. I love the team fit, though, because now he doesn't have to worry about anything. He's got two decision makers, two guys, everything's better he's focused on. And he'll, he won't even be close to the third option. But I think running around with a second unit with those guys, I actually think it's a good spot. Uh, the I other think thing, so too. He, he can slide into that former Malik Beasley role in a way, hmm. you know, coming off that bench. The other thing I loved was Rubio going back to Minnesota. And then this stuff goes, Rubio is really excited to go back. And it was like, it's like <laughs> Kevin McHale going back to the Celtics. Rubio so excited to go back to the team where he, he missed the playoffs every year for eight years. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> Isaiah Joe Sixers. Wow. So get him. So originally right. promised so at 21. That's a team. That's a smart mm. team, right? So you're vindicated there. Can we double check on that KOC? Because I'd hate to find out later on that the that uh, they traded it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I think not. We're sure. safe right now. I, I wish, like, I, I hate, like, I'm on NBA.com's draft board. Like, they got old logos on there. Picks have been traded. Like, just, just change the pick. We don't need to wait for it to yeah, be. Yeah, talk to Silver, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> what Listen, are we doing? I, I'm already on the record that the first round, the first night, should be the first 14 picks. That's it. And we go 15 minutes between picks and then we can really nerd it up and get get in all the trade stuff and do the whole thing and mm. make it a whole night versus like how fast it flies now. And then half the time, you know, guys are crying and we're we're watching 
Anthony Edwards as Ant Man with Marvel comic strips, and it's like, can, can we just talk about basketball? That would suck if I were if I were a guy, and they're like, hey, we're gonna do this Marvel thing. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna do like this whole thing. Marvel's hot right now. Cool. Yeah, we're gonna do like you're gonna be a superhero. Which one? Thor, Hulk, Ant Man. Well, he said he said he's Paul Rudd since age three. Yeah, I know. I get it, Anthony. I'm not an idiot, but I just I would be like, hey, if you guys are gonna call me into the superheroes, can I not be the insect played by Paul Rudd? Raja, what are your feelings about D D'Lo, Cat, and Ant Man as your top three with Ricky Rubio coming home to lead them to the promised land? Yeah, I'm not I'm not thrilled. I think not I think, enthused. I'm I'm not super enthused. No, but I think it was a good fit. I think the pick was a good pick. For me, they they're like any other team with a bunch of young talent, man. You have to find somebody to kind of help steward them into that next phase of their career. Someone's gotta someone's got to be there that 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 is the pro that is the character guy that that's been on winning teams um and still has enough cachet and is playing minutes where those guys will respect him and listen to him maybe a little you know a little less heavy-handed than a Jimmy Butler but certainly with a little bit of a, a swag and cachet where guys will understand and 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 take some of the lessons that he's trying to impart on them and, and Ricky Rubio is probably not that guy Ricky's not that guy I don't, I don't yeah. Ricky doesn't strike me I mean he's a great pro like uh, I and I think you know, there there are some lessons if you were really to sit around and watch Ricky Rubio probably prepare and get himself ready to play mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know that he's vocal enough necessarily um, to really be in there, like establishing culture. I think you need another guy. I got to say, I thought the biggest missed opportunity of this whole draft, I I just thought Minnesota should take in Wiseman. And it's like, well, why, why would they, they have Towns? It's like, well, first of all, Towns is unhappy every year. The odds of him being in Minnesota two years from now what would you say? 50%, 40%. But I, I don't know. Towns and Wiseman together. I, I kind of would have wanted to see it. It's, it's pretty unusual, right? If you could have figured out a way to play those two together. Offensively, them, you could have done it. I yeah. Both of them can float out. in and out. And then on defense, there's ways you could have made that work. And I, I think that could have been a team that potentially when you were playing them, you're like, Oh God, we got to play these guys. They're long, they're athletic. They have bigs who can shoot threes. This is a weird team. I don't want to play them. And instead, they they didn't want any part of it. Why why not, KFC? Offensively, that could have worked great. And, I, and I'm super intrigued by, you know, I was super intrigued by the idea of it because you could have Wiseman maybe as more of your interior big, your rim runner, and maybe he develops over time to be more perimeter-oriented. And Cat plays like a wing. I mean, yeah. he shoots threes like a, a, one of the best shooters in the league, despite how big he is. I'm not sure how well it would have worked defensively, though. One of those guys would really need to be good on the perimeter, or you're gonna get attacked. So you're gonna teams are gonna penetrate the paint against you, get kickout threes. I'm not sure it would have worked there for many years, and you would need it to work before it gets to the that point where Cat's like, maybe I want to go somewhere else. Deals like, maybe I want to go somewhere else. So Edwards, from like a character standpoint and like chemistry standpoint, it's not the best fit for him to not have that guy that you guys are talking about as a leader for him and as an example. But from a basketball standpoint, it's the best choice that they could have made uh, like of, of a bunch of flawed choices with his size. And you hope he's able to turn it on more uh, and play with more effort. But it could work, but they do need that veteran presence. And I'm not sure who that guy is right now, but they're going to have to find him at some point for this to work. I guarantee Golden State wanted them to take Edwards. Guaranteed? I think, I think Golden State wanted Wiseman. And I, I think 
they were sitting there the whole time terrified that somebody's going to trade up and take Wiseman. And then they had to stare at Edwards or LaMelo trying to figure out who is a, kind of the least weird fit for them. And instead they have this guy who worst case scenario, will be able to play 20 minutes a game for them next couple of years. Best case scenario is exactly the kind of guy they've needed for 10 years. So I don't know. I thought it worked out pretty well for them. I selfishly wanted to see Melo play with D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Minnesota. You didn't have to worry about it now. All right. We can wrap it up. Raja, any Brooklyn Nets scoop for us? I got no Nets scoop, and I talked to Steve earlier, and he gave me nothing. Nothing. This is weird. This is a weird thing for your friendship, where he just can't tell you things anymore. I know. I was so pissed at him. I told him today, I had a friend reach out who wanted to contact him about like helping him through his Brooklyn like move, and I was like, dude, I'm really fucking mad. You haven't been on my pod yet. Like, I'm really pissed. Fucking, I, yeah, we had, he was like, yeah, dude, I'm equally as mad that you're not sitting in the office with me right now. I'm like, touche. You got it. Oh, so it's like a stalemate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, once, if Harden gets traded to Philly, then that, then there will be no more weird trades and that, and then he can finally come on and just talk and, and yeah. talk to you and Logan and do it. So we there should we book that. All, All right. right. Um, yeah. But promote the pod, Raja, for people could check it out with you and Logan Murdoch. Yeah, real ones. NBA, uh, you know, Mondays, NBA Ringer Pod. Uh, check us out, man. We we chop it up. Logan's Logan's great at his job, and and I'm I'm hopefully getting better. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a good podcast. Roger's been great. Thanks to uh, KOC. I mean, unbelievable. You can start to work on 2021. It's gonna um, be a great draft. Gonna be a great draft, and and you can hear Bill Simmons. Well, KOC's uh, got the the big post draft show. The nerd, oh. the, for the nerds on Ringer NBA, what time? Thursday? Yeah, uh, we're recording Thursday morning uh, with me, Jonathan Sharks, and Jay Kyle, man. And that'll be out, I believe, oh, sometime nice. on Thursday. Yeah. Going yeah. full nerd. We we gave them specific instructions, like nerd it up. <laughs> don't don't think any reference is too crazy. So right. I'm excited. It's going to be a good yeah. time. I have mine tomorrow, too, at some point. All right. Thanks, everybody. It was a long wait. Wasn't as dramatic as maybe we thought it could be, but it was still just great to watch a draft. So uh, thanks again, everybody, and we'll uh, be back on this podcast. This is a bonus episode here. We'll be back with a normal Friday podcast on the Marcelo feed.